Well, good evening, church. Uh, it's good to um, have an opportunity to preach and to, and to delve into God's Word with you tonight. Um, tonight I want to talk a little bit out of 1 Samuel. Uh, been going through this um, with the kids at school and something jumped out at me in, in my preparations over the last month or so. And when given the opportunity, I thought this would be uh, something that, that might be a help and a blessing to you. I just want to read some verses out of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10. I'm just going to read um, the first nine verses and it says, uh, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and, and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then shalt thou find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zelzar. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do, my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of, of, of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God, to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine, and they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings, and to sacrifice, sacri to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do. And I notice in verse 9 it says, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart and all these signs came to pass that day. And that thought in verse 9, when Samuel turned to go from, his, uh, turned to go from Samuel, there's that phrase that says, God gave him another heart, which really stood out to me. And I want to talk about another heart um, today. <clears throat> when we take the time to read through the Bible, you're going to come across some amazing situations where men and women achieved great things for God. Uh, these, are great these great achievements usually came about because of great decisions and these great decisions came about because of something that had already taken place within the heart. I'm sure that it's your desire today for God to use you. And I want you to know that before that can happen, something will need to take place in your heart. It's just how it is. Our hearts are not normally receptive to God, but something needs to take place or a change that needs to take place within the heart. Our text reveals a story of a young man named Saul who was set to be thrust in the highest position as king of Israel. And at this time was unaware that this was going to take place. So we have a young man who where the kingship was going to be thrust upon him and he didn't know that it was going to be happening at all. When you read through chapter 9, 
we see Saul being sent out by his father uh, to go and look for some um, to go and look for some lost donkeys that had gone missing. He was told to take one of the servants and to take some time to see if he can find where they are. During that that period of looking, they looked at uh, different places without much success. And it was his servant that prompted him and said, listen, where we are now is near where the prophet is. Why don't we go and visit him and he might be able to show us where where these donkeys are. When they came to the city where the prophet Samuel was, God had already foretold Samuel that that day he was going to send someone that that God would reveal to him that would become the next king of Israel or or, um, the first king of Israel. And on that day, Saul and the servant got to meet with Samuel and, and, and Samuel had revealed what was going to happen. And you notice it wasn't Saul's choosing, it was God's choosing. And it was really an unusual one because there wasn't anything really in Saul that one would choose him to be a king. We do see in in verse 2 of chapter 9, I'll I'll, I'll read that to you. I will read verse 1 and verse 2 just to kind of get a little bit of context with this. It says, Now there was a man of Benjamin whose whose name was Kish, the the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And then it goes on to describe Saul in verse 2. It says, And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upwards, he was higher than any of the people. Other than his physical attributes, one of being a goodly person, or he had the eye, it describes him as being handsome. And it also describes him as being tall. There was nothing really within Saul that one would choose him for king. It, it wasn't a person that was tested in war. It wasn't a man that, that, that was cunning in knowledge and leadership. He just was physically different than everyone else. Now, the introduction of Saul to become king kind of re, reminds me of another person that is to come and would have the same sort of entrance into kingship and that's of David. They, have, they both had a very similar start to becoming king. Both Saul and David both had jobs given by their fathers to look after animals. For, for Saul it was the donkeys, for David it was looking after the sheep. And it seems as you read through 1 Samuel, when we're introduced to David as well, that they both took their jobs very seriously. Um, Saul was, was told to go and find the lost donkeys and he took that and he did that diligently, took his servant and he followed his father's command. You find when David was looking after the sheep, he took that very seriously, so much that when it was his responsibility to look after the sheep, you'll find that, that David laid his life on the line for the sheep. Both very similar And God seems to thrust both of them into the limelight, not because of their physical or or the outward appearance, but of something that is going to take place within the heart. It seems to be the pattern of God to choose someone that is so unlikely and then thrust them into a place and accomplish the remarkable and things that are so remarkable 
that as we read about it, we can only testify that God must have done it and God gets the glory in it. I think about Moses who had no confidence in himself, yet God used him. I think about Joseph who was really just a young dreamer and yet God used him. I think about Noah without, without any great help, and they're all achieving the impossible and God gets the glory for it. The main difference as I see with David and Saul is that David, the Bible describes him already having a heart after God's own heart. Yet in, our, uh, in, in 1 Samuel, we see that God uh, had to give Saul another heart. 1 Samuel chapter 13 of verse, verse 14 describes um, God telling something to Saul after Saul has done the wrong thing. Verse 14 says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. God's going to go looking for somebody who already has a heart that is likened unto God's and we know that will eventually become David. So that's the difference. David seemed to already have something that was similar to the heart of God where Saul, although he was thrust into the kingship, God had to do that changing for him. And that's where our text was in, in chapter 10 and verse 9. I'll read that again. And it's, it mentions when we first read it said, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. It was God's doing. God had to do it. And then we notice because of God's choosing on Saul, all these things that, that we read in the previous verses came to pass that day. You know, our hearts are ever changing like the wind in the air. Have you ever noticed that? Certain things change your hearts all the time. And we like Saul need the changing that only God can give to effectively do God's will. I don't know about you, but I naturally don't have a heart for God. I wasn't born with a heart for God. I don't naturally just gravitate to God. But I, but I also need a continual God changing of my heart. You know, if we had that natural inclination towards God, then the ease of our Christianity, because our heart is like God's, we would attribute to ourselves. But because we need God so much, and as we rely upon God, and as God does the changing of our hearts, we can actually give God the glory for all that he does for us. You know, I need, I need God to change my heart to even have a desire for the things of God. I know, for, I know for some of you, you naturally just love reading the Bible and, and you're engrossed in it. But you know, for me, it's something that I need to work at. It's something that I don't just, just naturally gravitate to. God needs to ch I need God to change my heart to, to have more of a desire for the things of God. I need God to change my heart to be able to see people the way that He sees people. Um, God is so kind. God is so gracious. God is so long-suffering towards all people. And yet, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to do that. I need God to change my heart to have the courage to deny what I want, but to do what He wants. It's easy to listen to the flesh. It's easy to, to have desires of what you want to achieve and and what you want to do and what you want to do with your time. And yet I need God to change my heart to do what he wants. 
I need a change of heart. I need God to change my heart to have a heart just like David did. And when, when Brother Robin preached on, on Sunday morning, um, I was sitting here and, and listening and, and God kind of gave me something. I thought it was, it was a real blessing to just to receive something with my thought of the message that I was going to preach tonight. And that was that when David was looking after the sheep and the bear and the lion came, remember Brother Robin talked about the lion coming in to take the sheep? David's first inkling of his heart, the first thought of his heart was to defend those sheep, was to go out and to, and to win that sheep back and to, to bring that sheep back. Even if it was damaged, even if it was dead, David's heart was the care of the sheep. And what I got from that was having a heart after God's own heart is someone who, who naturally cares for others, who, who cares um, for the church, who cares for other brothers and sisters, who cares for the lost. That's God's heart. And that's the heart I want to have. So what I want to do tonight is, is uh, just briefly go through just some thoughts I had about, about how our heart changes how it happens, what causes it, how it can be changed. And I hope these, these, these few moments that, that we spend just going through this will be something that will just help and encourage you a little bit. So just some thoughts. Our hearts can be changed by our circumstances. Have you ever noticed that? When the circumstances of life change, we often find our own hearts change. Have you ever had something happen to you where you've become so disappointed, where things didn't work out the way that you expected them to? You know what happens? When we become disappointed, we, we, we seem to dwell upon what didn't happen for us. And so soon and so quickly, our heart can be changed from one thing to another. Is it any wonder we have people that can come to church have one heart, and then through the, either through the disappointments of, of how they're treated, or they didn't think, um, they didn't get what they wanted, or somebody says something, or somebody does something, and, they, and that circumstance of life happens, how quickly their heart can be changed where, hey, I don't like this church anymore, or, or I don't like God anymore. I'm gonna change. And they do, and they leave, and, and they huff, and they puff, and they grumble. Yet there's been a, the church didn't change. God's word didn't change. What it is, it's, it's a change of the heart because of our circumstances. Our own self-centeredness can often cause that. I want what I want. I want, a, I want it my way. And yet when it's not my own way, the circumstances of life can cause my heart to change. I know this happened in me and I'm sure it's happened in you where where, where things just didn't go right or things didn't go as planned and we can be disappointed and our heart can change away from God, even if, it's, even if it's just for a short time until God works. But the truth is, circumstances can, can change us. Now, the scary thing about that is, is that our life is full of circumstances. Our day-to-day -day living is full of circumstances. Those of you that have a job and go to work or are in business. Circumstances are gonna happen whether you like it or not. And if we're, 
If we're the sort of heart that bounces around because of circumstances, our heart will change on a daily basis. And that's where it becomes very, very scary. Because if we have several bad days flow on after, one after the other, then uh, our heart's just going to change from one to the other to the other to the other until it gets worse and worse and worse till eventually our heart has changed for the worse. So our hearts can change by our circumstances. And I was thinking, just in my contemplation of this, you know, our hearts can be changed by outside sources. Circumstances are things that happen to us. But outside sources are things that we allow into our lives to, I guess, to, um, uh, to have an effect upon us. And I thought about some things, and, and one of the things I thought about was music. Music. Did you know, in the case of Saul, later when he did become king, the Bible describes Saul having an evil spirit, something that was weighing him down, something that was controlling him, or maybe even changing his heart. And yet David, you'll find, was called in to play the harp, to play, to play some music. And that outside source within Saul's life seemed to change the heart of Saul. Music is very, very important, especially within the ministry of the local church. Music, when done well and, and done correctly and done with a right spirit, can be greatly used to, to work in the hearts of those who are listening. Have you ever been in a church service and... and uh, at, and, and the music was sung well and, and, and when the orchestra has played and, and it's played with the right spirit and it's done with the right heart, that as you listen, it actually ministers to you. And before even the preaching has taken place or has even started, you can find that your heart has already started to change because of that music. I think growing up as a teenager, around that time where I got saved, maybe even some years before, it was very common back then when long before, uh, long before there was MP4, MP3, CDs, we had these really strange rectangle things called cassette tapes. Now I know that there'll be some older generation here who will remember cassette tapes. They had the two little round holes and every now and then when the tape player went, went crazy, the, the tape would fly out and you'd have to try and spool it back in again. But at night, going to bed even as a teenager, what I relied on to help me through my tough times was music. Now, I wasn't a Christian at some point, and even as a brand new Christian, not really understanding what the effect music has. But I listened to worldly music, and, 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 and I used it to help me with my heart changes. You put the right sort of music on, it can make you somber. Put a different sort of music on, and it can, it can rev you up and, and give you a bit of a pep and a bit of a zing. You'll find a lot of uh, footballers, you'll see them in the dressing rooms with their earphones on and um, they might be listening to some heavy metal music, something to, to really just kind of psych them up because that outside source can, can do something to change the heart. Let me encourage you just with this, just when it comes to music, as a Christian, try and get in the habit of listening to good music, music that's going to uplift your heart. Music that's going to edify your heart. Music that might even challenge your heart a little bit. Allow the outside sources to be good. 
I was thinking of music, but then I was also been thinking of media. Media, especially, especially as we go through these years at the moment, media plays a big part in changing the hearts of people. During, um, during COVID, during bushfires, during any sort of pandemic, and even with the Black Lives Matter, as, as, as we see currently, you'll find the media and their portrayal of what's happening actually feed those who listen. And, a lot, and often a lot of people's minds and hearts are changed because of what the media says, whether it's truth or not. Media has a big influence upon people's lives. You think about in, in the New Testament when Jesus was on the earth, and people stirred, up peop uh, people stirred up other people when Jesus was around to try and make it hard for Jesus. Remember when, when, uh, when Jesus and Barabbas were being decided on who was going to be let free? And the people were stirred up to say, we want Barabbas, let him go. And, and, and I think it was Pilate that, that said, what shall we do with Jesus? And they... And the, at, at, and the press that were around them stirred them up to say, you know, his death be upon our heads, his blood be upon us and our children. The outside media caused the change of heart in people who probably would never have said that. So I want to encourage you, as we live in a time where media is, is, so, is so easily sought and easily found, be careful because media will change your heart. What they portray on the internet, what they betray on, on the local news, what they betray in television shows will be to try and change your heart to whatever agenda the media has. So outside sources definitely play a part in how our hearts are changed. Our circumstances, outside sources. There's a verse in, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51 that, that tells us that our eye affects our heart. What we see, what we put in through our eye actually has, it actually clearly states it has an effect upon our heart. What we see can change our heart. How we see it possibly as well changes our heart as well. I think about the different charities. If you have the television on and you see a World Vision ad, what do they do? Do they show the rich in Africa saying give us money now? No, no one's going to give. But if they show a poor child starving and, uh, and the words given how that they're poor and needy and it's there specifically to get you to have some emotion because you see it. If you took those pictures away and you just heard someone saying they give money, you probably wouldn't be as affected. You may still be affected but when you see what's going on in these places, it affects your heart. When I travel to India and I see people that are poor and I see children that really don't have much and I see people who are struggling to make ends meet, when you see that, it affects your heart. So we need to be careful not only just about what our circumstances are happening, not only those outside sources that uh, music and media, but also what we're allowing through, our, through the eye gate, all these senses are connected to our heart. 
But then I find our heart can be changed just through the sheer hardness of where our heart is right now out of our own hardness of our own heart. You know, we can become reprobate when we don't yield to the Spirit of God. As we, as we disobey God or if we allow the outside circumstances come through and the outside sources come through, as our heart starts to change further away from God, eventually what happens is we, uh, our heart has already changed, but it starts to change for the worst to the point where it seems like there is no return and we become reprobate just because of the hardness of our own heart. So that's just a few thoughts about how our heart can be changed. I had a, a slightly different thought when people do get changed, when their hearts do actually change for, and usually for the good. I've kind of isolated a little bit on the negative things like the music, the media, the circumstances, what we put in our eyes. But what about when, when there are good things and God starts to make that, that change for us or prepares us for that change? What about in the Bible where it talks about in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it talks about if any man being Christ, he is a new creature. I think about when we are convicted of our sin at the point of salvation, when we trust Christ, there's a change in the heart. There's an instant change in the heart. Our heart was, was lost. Our heart was lost in sin. And when we trust Christ, the Bible says we, we become a new creature. It's changed. It's like, the Bible describes it as being born again. The, the heart is lost. Now it's been made alive. Or it was dead. It's been made alive. It was lost. It's been found. Praise the Lord for people when they trust Christ for their salvation. The Bible gives, says that, that, that they receive a new heart, a changed heart. And, and, and thus were you, if you're born again, at that point of salvation, when you trust Jesus Christ as your saviour, your heart was renewed in the spirit of God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you're watching here, here tonight and you don't know Christ as your saviour, maybe you've never made that step. Now's a great opportunity to, to have God change your heart for you. You know, the time when I received Jesus Christ as my saviour, I didn't make the change. I was born naturally against God. I was born with a sinful natured heart. There was sin there. It was corrupted. It had corrupted me. And when I received Christ, it wasn't that I made a change. It wasn't that I made a, a decision to change my heart. What it was, was it was revealed to me where my heart was really at. And I said, God, I can't do anything about it. Can you please do it? And when I trusted Christ, God did the changing of the heart. And thus, the reason why we, as Christians, we want to tell others about Jesus Christ is because it gives them an opportunity to hear the gospel and have their heart changed as well. So our hearts are changed when we're convicted of our sin. Salvation needs to have that conviction of sin attached to it. You know, we are also changed when we live with humility. I want you to think back in, in the life of Saul. In chapter 9, when, 
When Saul and his servant who were looking for the donkeys came to the place where Samuel was, the reason why they were there was they were hoping that the, that the prophet might be able to help them find where the donkeys were. And one, I want to read just a couple of verses when, when there's a bit of conversation between Saul and Samuel. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 9. Um, let's start at verse 18. It says, Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. At this stage, Saul didn't know that, that, that this was um, Samuel the prophet. Verse 19, And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And then verse 20, I notice this, it says, And for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found, and on whom is all the desire of Israel. Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? So Samuel now just reveals in a roundabout way, hey, I know the reason why you're here. You're looking for donkeys. Don't worry about that. They've been found. I know you've been looking for three days. That's fine. Don't stress on it. They've already been recovered. Showing that, 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 uh, that, um, that Samuel is a prophet indeed. But then he goes on to describe, it says, but don't you know that you're the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and all of thy father's house? He's really saying that God's choosing you for something special. Now, Saul may not understand exactly all the implications, but notice what Saul says in verse 21. And Saul answered and said, yes, that's me. I am the man. Is that what he says? No. He says, Saul answered and said, am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? He says, hey, listen, uh, I really appreciate what you're trying to say about what God might do with me, but you don't know who I am. I'm nothing. I'm from the smallest tribe and then out of all the families, I'm from the smallest family. We are nothing. We're not anything important. And that really spoke volumes to me. Saul seemed to be in, in the state that he was at was someone who was humble. I wonder what God may have done if Saul from that point on was puffed up with pride and said, well, you yeah, know, I, I can understand this. Remember, we've already described that Saul was handsome and, and we've described, the Bible tells us that Saul was taller than most around. He could have got puffed up with pride and said, well, yeah, I can see that. I can see why God would choose me to do something special because I am that special type of guy. But our hearts can be changed when we live with humility. James chapter 4 uh, tells us something about humility. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. God will do something in the heart of somebody who is humble. He will resist those who are proud, I think if Saul would have stood up and said, yes, I can understand why and lived a life of, of pride and thrust himself into the limelight before God had even had, had him ready to do so, 
Maybe God may have resisted him. But at that point in time when it was revealed what God was going to do or, or started to show what God was going to do, Saul seemed to have an attitude of humility. If you want God to change your heart, have, a, have, a, have an attitude of humility. Understand we aren't the important person. Understand it's not about me. It's not about you. Understand it's about God. And the life that we live, we want to live for God. We want to be humble in that. Where there's no humility, there will be no change. Our hearts can be changed when we yield to the Spirit's leading. I want you to read a verse which I found interesting as, as, I, as I read that, that verse in chapter, um, in chapter 10 at the beginning in verse 9 where it said that God gave him another heart. When you read through that chapter towards the end in verse, verse 26, notice with me, and Saul also went home to Gibeah and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. God was in the business in this chapter of, of doing something with hearts. Not only Saul, but he started to touch other people's hearts and they kind of synced together. As Saul went, God said, you go with him. You mesh with him. You go and follow with him. Now these men, it wasn't probably their choosing to do so, but because God had touched the heart, God had made a change of the heart. They listened to what the Spirit was saying and they went and, and the change took place. Now they could have, as God touched the heart, they could have said, no, I'm not going to follow Saul. I don't like Saul. He's, you know, he's tall. He, you know, I, don't, I haven't learned to trust him yet. But they listened and they yielded to the Spirit's leading or the Spirit's calling for them. And as God touched the hearts, they yielded to it and God was able to complete the change that he was looking for. I wonder, do you submit to God's leading when, when he wants you to maybe take a back seat on something? Maybe he wants you to be humble. Maybe he, he wants you to have a change in occupation. Maybe he wants to put you in some ministry that, that you had never thought of before. And yet God just is just prompting. God is leading. God is touching, trying to make a change in the heart from where you're currently thinking to thinking what God wants. Will you allow God to change you? And then I think about um, in the New Testament when um, I, I didn't think of the pastor. I think it's in Matthew, I believe, where, where um, it, it talks about pray that the Lord sends forth labourers into the harvest. Did you know it seems to be hearts change when people pray. When God's people pray, that's why it says pray that God will send somebody into the harvest. Pray that God will do a changing of the hearts of somebody to go in and tell somebody. So it's clear to me that when we pray, God starts to work in hearts. And when you pray about a certain situation, about a certain circumstance, about something that's just not maybe going right, guess what? God may end up resolving the situation by changing your heart. Not by taking you out of the situation, not by fixing the problem, but by changing your heart. 
And I guess it's my prayer and, and my aim tonight is, is that God does a work in the hearts of his people. In whatever circumstance or in whatever situation you find yourself, I believe God wants to do a changing of your heart just as much as he wants to do a changing in my heart. When I was reading through 1 Samuel chapter 10, it jumped out at me. God gave Saul another heart. Like, oh, I'd love for God to, to, to give me another heart because the Bible describes my heart as, as desperately wicked. You know, who can really know it? It's just desperately wicked. It's wrong. It's, it's sinful. I would, would love for God to give me another heart. So in conclusion with this thinking of God giving another heart. The changing the heart, whether for good or for bad, can have a direct correlation to our own choices and actions. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep our heart with all, and with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I want to do all in my power to protect the thing that can make or break my life. You think about that. The thing that, that makes you, you, can either make or break your life. It can make you more like Christ or it can drag you further away from Christ. It can cause you a world of joy or it can cause you a world of heartache. So no wonder God says to keep your heart with all diligence. Keep it. Protect it. Watch over it. Pray about it. For out of it are the issues of life. I want to give it every chance that God, if he chooses, may want to use my heart for his glory. And I believe and I hope and I pray that that is your heart. And I, I encourage you to, um, to make that, that decision tonight. Say, God... My heart isn't exactly what it should be. I want to have a different heart. I, I want to have that heart that you can give. But I understand it starts with, I guess, a decision, a, a choice for, it, for me to allow you to do that. And maybe say, God, if there are things that are changing my heart for the wrong, reveal them to me and allow me to be humble enough to listen to the leading and wooing of the Spirit of God to get me to a point where God then can do that change that is needed. And when we do that, God can take my heart, God can take your heart, and he can thrust you maybe into something that he has specifically for you that no one else can do. Wouldn't it be good if God took, um, I guess, a hold of us through the second half of 2020? And if God did something with us that maybe we never thought possible could happen. So God, please give us another heart and I hope that is your prayer here tonight.